Good morning. Welcome to Morning Prayers. We will begin today's service with a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Chapel Psalter Book, Psalm Selection number 24, found on page 12. Please stand as you are able. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. For it is founded on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? So those who are the hands of your hearts, who do not lift up their souls to false, and do not swear deceitfully, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. You may take your seats.
In 110 CE, Pliny the Younger, the governor of Pontus and Bithynia, wrote to the Roman Emperor Trajan to inquire what should be done about the wretched cult of Christianity. He claimed that he had already conducted interviews of suspected Christians, found ways to test for allegiance, threatened individuals with punishment, and even performed executions when necessary. His letter is important because of the charges he brings against this wretched cult. He states, For the matter seemed to me to warrant consulting you, especially because of the number involved. For many per persons of every age, every rank, and also of both sexes, are and will be endangered. For the contagion of this superstition has spread not only to the cities, but also to the villages and farms but it seems possible to check and cure it. It is certainly quite clear that the temples which had been almost deserted have begun to be frequented, that the established religious rites long neglected are being resumed, and that from everywhere sacrificial animals are coming, for which until now very few had been found. Hence it is easy to imagine what a multitude of people can be reformed if an opportunity for repentance is afforded. What interests me about Pliny's words is that he sees Christianity as a contagion that has led to the shaking of Roman tradition. Civic duty had been impacted. Temple attendance had hit record lows. To be a Roman was apparently to be in the temples with your head down, worshiping your state and authoritarian leaders who had been ordained by God to rule without question. Christians also had been messing with the economic order. They weren't performing the rituals of the state, and as a result, commerce had shriveled up. The markets had failed to function in the way that Pliny thought they ought to. He was very blunt in his critique. These Christians were messing with the power and the money the empire had given him. His little slice of paradise was being threatened, and something had to be done. Empire needed to save Christianity from itself. Throughout history, this has been the case. There are moments when Christianity heavily conforms to the society that it is in, and the lines between God and country are often blurred. Other times, Christianity decides to assert its true character and disassociates from the practices and rituals of empire it deems counter to the Christian message. I don't see how anyone could advocate for the first and not pursue the second. When thinking about the Christian witness, New Testament scholar David De Silva has this to say. An important fa facet of Christian witness involves coming out from empire, disentangling oneself from violence and exploitative economics, and from seeking and sharing in the benefits of unjust pra practices. There is a mystical connection between the person who fires an automated weapon, those who have applied themselves to, it, to its design and construction, and those who paid the taxes that supported the research development and deployment of the same. God's commitment to justice, to vindicate the deaths of the innocent and the faithful ones, and to visit destruction upon those who have inflicted or collaborate with those who inflict destructive, impels us to learn to come out from empire, both to witness to God's justice and to avoid falling afoul of God's justice. When I read the New T T Testament, Criticism emerges as a normative way of engaging empire. 
Even though empires built on power that is able to take everything away from us, if we dissent, we must take up our roles as the prophets and saints the New Testament set, says that we are. Coming out from empire requires denouncing the power that empire has on us. The power that it has is due to its pr privileges and luxuries that we too often desire more than Christ's love and justice for this world. Because of this, we naturally do not live in this world as effectively as we could. We participate in systems that are built on the backs of those we desperately try to ignore. And when we can't ignore them, we design narratives of why certain people deserve to be at the bottom and outside of borders. This is why writers Wes Howard Brook and Anthony Gwyther call this the genius of empire. Empire is a phenomenon that establishes an aura around itself that says, the way the world is is the way the world is supposed to work. It plays with our reality. The church should know this to be a great deception and has a text that reminds us daily that this is a deception. Society should not be built on exploitation, but on empathetically being there for others. It should not be built on a con conquest, but on love. If I'm honest, what keeps me up some nights are not the things that I've done, but the things that I failed to do. Who did I not help? Who could I have done more for? Theologically, these are called sins of omission. It isn't something we, we've done wrong, but something right we failed to do. On a larger scale, it is often a source of both pain and radical hope to think about what we could do as a church if we moved together. What if we actually acted as a cohesive church like in Pontus and Bithynia, gave up what is comfortable, and sought to move an empire? What societal ills and injustices could be fixed immediately if we re refused to participate in the systems that caused them? These are the qu questions that Pliny's letter causes me to consider and allows for me to believe that something better is possible here and now. Let us pray by reciting the Lord's Prayer, which can be found on the back of your order of worship. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us sing together the hymn, A Brighter Dawn is Breaking, number 170 in your Crimson Harvard Hymnal, number 170. Please stand as you are able.
May the Lord keep you from evil. And may the Lord keep you in your going out and in your coming in from this time on forevermore. Amen. Amen.